Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Modern marketing can't exist without relevant and the right data. That's why it's so important to collect and find the right data before creating content, before setting marketing campaigns. And today we discuss more about collecting the relevant data with Nick Jordan. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, I love learning more about data because I know that uh, data is fuel you know, for uh, marketing success. Before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and why you decided to share with us about data. Yeah, so, you know, I, I spent most of my early childhood thinking I was going to be a, a computer programmer, an engineer. And then I went to college for it, and I graduated college, and I thought I was going to be an engineer. And it turns out that I'm neither a very good engineer, nor did I want to be an engineer. Um, so pretty quickly in my career, I, I transitioned to product management roles organizations design uh, and, and develop products in in conjunction with engineers and over the years that you know many of those roles have been been very data focused um and then you know i, I hit a I hit a point in in my career where i found a data problem that i didn't find anyone solving and decided to to start my own company and solve it for myself and so if if there's one thing that i've been steeped in for the last 20 years it's it's data and you know, I, I hope I can. I ho ho hope I can talk about it in in a way that makes sense to everybody. Nice, nice. Uh, iPhone. You know, uh, I love one quote that the era of lazy marketers is dead. You know, so if you use just generic data, it's hard to uh, create the right marketing strategy. It's hard to cover a buyer persona. It's hard to consider sales funnel because each case is different. Even two companies uh, that sell uh, the same products. But uh, each of them can have own unique selling proposition. That's why it's important to have this data. Can you tell uh, where to start? For example, if I'm going to launch a new product, high quality product, I have it, uh, but I need to learn more about customers, about setting marketing campaigns. Uh, let me know where to start if I started from zero, from completely scratch. Yeah, and so we, we've actually seen this uh, with a couple of our customers where they, they have a cold start problem, right? They've, they've developed a new product, um, but they don't have any past data that tells them about how that product should be marketed and sold and who their target audience is. And so oftentimes in that scenario, we see people that uh, they look at their competitive set. They look at other companies that are selling similar products and they try to collect or acquire data that, that tells them about their competitive uh, landscape. We actually have we have one company we work with right now that that is opening brick and mortar retail stores, so stores you walk into to buy their product. And and in many of the areas that are opening these stores, they've they've never worked before, so they very much have a cold start problem. And so they've gone out and acquired data around where their competitors' stores are, and then how many people and what type of people walk into those stores. And so that gives them a baseline, you know, that, that that's not a perfect analogy to their own company because you're, to your point, every, every company is a little bit different, but it gives them a place uh, where they can start looking at the data and teasing apart how it may and how it may not apply to the business they're about to launch. Yeah, love it. So valuable. Uh, you know, um, I think when you learn competitors, it's a trap. 
uh, I often see, you know, when companies check out their competitors by using tools like SEMrush, iCheras, they uh, can find uh, how they can get traffic, monetize uh, results. And uh, but competitors might have their strong sides, and uh, it doesn't mean that you can replicate totally the same campaigns, even having similar products. Uh, for example, you know, uh, some uh, companies are good with uh, blogging. Others can uh, create awesome uh, videos, you know, educational videos. So it depends. Uh, and it's better to consider your uh, unique selling proposition, strong sides, competitors' weaknesses, and jump on the field. So yeah, I agree with that. Uh, can you tell about technical aspect of collecting data? Uh, how to find this data? Uh, I know that I can use tools, but uh, uh, I know that many companies use uh, unique approaches. For example, they can talk to customers, even spend uh, time with customers to learn their pain points. Tell your uh, insights how to uh, collect this data. Yeah, I mean, well, data comes, data literally comes from everywhere, right? And so to your point, it could be surveys, it could be in-person user studies, it could be collecting data on your website or in your call centers, um, you know, increasingly sensors that exist, you know, everywhere. I mean, you, you see retailers that are actually putting sensors in, in the aisles of their stores to understand, you know, where, where, where people are spending time within their stores and how they can optimize towards that. And so I think, you know, any, any company has a number of different vectors of where they can collect that data. I think all of those vectors eventually have a limit, you know, you, you, you can understand how someone's behaving in your store or on your website, but that doesn't necessarily tell you what that person is doing outside of your store and off of your website. And so more and more companies have also started moving to using various data marketplaces and data partnerships that allow them to go get data that they have no chance of collecting on their own uh, and to bring that data into their ecosystem. Uh, you know, I think with the, the prevalence of machine learning and AI, a lot of the, the power of those tools is predicated on, on having um, both specificity and, and just pure volume of data. You know, there, there, there's been little to no AI that's been trained on small data sets. You know, to, to, to provide intelligence to a machine, you need to give it a lot of data. And so I, I do think some of those channels where you start to, you know, go find a partner that might have data that, that you can leverage or go work with a data marketplace becomes a really common tactic because, you know, you really need the power of the network to get all of the data that you need versus being able to collect it all yourself. Valuable. Love it. Uh, I have the question. For example, um, uh, I have a few channels. One of them, YouTube, one LinkedIn, uh, my website, and I found that uh, uh, a buying persona is different on all these platforms. So I can't use the same data to uh, when I set up marketing campaigns uh, to these platforms because on YouTube, uh, my audience consists of students who want to learn more about SEO, uh, digital marketing. On my, on my website, uh, I have customers who want to order services on the LinkedIn. I found that uh, I usually build relationships with others, you know, uh, uh, so uh, can you tell, for example, how to collect data if, uh, or, uh, you know, uh, when you have different channels, different mindset, uh, different people and consider them because I, 
I've seen a few times uh, when, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to share this example. I can share my example. Uh, for example, uh, when I decided to set up uh, YouTube marketing campaigns, I used data from my website and I failed. I, I couldn't get results because demographic is different. Uh, many things are different. So can you tell how to uh, collect data considering specific platform or uh, resource of traffic? Yeah, I... I think I think the trick with data is to not go in with too many preconceived notions. So so what you said is you you collected data on your website, you try to use it on YouTube, it didn't work because yeah, it's entirely, yeah, an entirely different I, audience. Of course, yeah. Yeah. I think I think actually experimenting like that is the right thing to do. I, I think you should collect all of the data that you can collect from all of the different channels and then you should figure out what works and, and what doesn't work. I, I I feel like it's not often as simple as, you know, this data works here, but it doesn't work there. But there may be a subset of the data that, that performs really well. I mean, mm -hmm. one of the one of the first pieces of advice I give to anyone about data is don't don't presuppose what data is going to be valuable and what, what data is going to be in, uh, unvaluable. Because none of us can predict the future. None of us are that smart. I, I've worked at a number of organizations where, you know, they'll be collecting data. And, you know, at one point I'll go and say, hey, you know, can I get this 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 data that you've been collecting? And they say, oh, we actually don't store that data because we didn't have a use case for it. We didn't we didn't know how we were going to use that data. And I said, well, storing data is cheap. Right. I mean, if, if, you, if you just look at the cost of to store data, it literally costs almost nothing. Mm -hmm. um, but the opportunity cost of not storing something that you might need down the road is very, very high. And so I tell people, store all of the data that you get from all of the different places. And then from there, you can experiment, you can test, you can analyze and figure out what works where. But I, I think from a pure data collection perspective, like you, you want you want as much as possible. You don't ever want to get rid of it. And then what you really need to come up with testing strategies to figure out what works where and, and what the right strategies are. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, I have the question, for example, uh, you know, when uh, I get new customers, uh, they often tell me, uh, we have no time to create content, we have no time to uh, many uh, to do many things like uh, technical optimization, uh, similar stuff. Uh, please do all this because uh, we need to compete with our competitors, we need to uh, develop, innovate our products. Uh, so, yeah, uh, uh, I got it. But, you know, uh, for example, if uh, I want to uh, cooperate with you, if I need uh, uh, what I'm going to launch my SEO course. So, so I need to get data uh, for setting marketing campaigns. Uh, what will you do to uh, start collecting data for uh, not lazy, uh, let's call, call busy customers uh, like me who have no time, you know, to analyze uh, many things because you can provide them uh, like guide, step-by-step -step tutorial, what I need to do, but I have no time. I'm, I'm busy with many other tasks. So uh, how you can help me and uh, provide your advice for uh, busy people, entrepreneurs who have no time uh, by getting and collecting this data and uh, you need to do this job instead of them. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll give two answers. So one, there are a number of tools out there that can take data and make recommendations and automate the the, the execution of those recommendations. Um, that's certainly not what I do and not what my company does, but there are, no, there are a number of those companies out there. That's the, that's the, you know, answer everyone wants to hear. Hey, just go license this piece of software and all your problems will be solved. I think the real answer is there's no free lunch. You, you, you don't get something for doing nothing. Um, I, we have companies that come to us all the time because we help companies monetize data. 
And they basically say, we don't want to take any risk. We don't want to spend any time. We don't want to market our data. We don't want to sell the data to anyone except for a couple of companies. We're not willing to pay anything for any services. How much money are we going to make in the first year? And I tell them, you're not going to make any money in the first year. Like running a business requires running a business. You know, if a business was just, you know, going and having a coffee and, a, and, 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 you know, laying in the park, then we would all go do that and we would all be rich. But at the end of the day, things require work. Like I said, there are tools that can make that can make that work easier and, and take someone whose day is very busy and, and hopefully free up some time. But someone that says, I don't want to do any of the work. I just want my business to be successful is someone that's that's destined not to have a successful business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. Uh, you know, it's the same like uh, if someone wanna lose weight, uh, can yeah. find the best co- coach. You know, trainer. Please help me. You know, to lose this weight. Yeah, but do all job instead of me. You know, eat instead yeah, yeah. of me. Uh, healthy food. Uh, I, I, I wanna keep uh, eating this uh, junk food. You know, McDonald's, many other stuff. Uh, I, I wanna oh, be. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to go to the gym. I want to eat junk food, but I but I want to lose forty pounds. And I say, well, I want all of those things too, but it's not going to happen. And you know, you have to put in the work. Now you can get a trainer. You could find a diet that has foods that you like. Like there are ways to make it easier, but there's not ways to make it go away altogether. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, many the same examples. Or for example, if someone wanna learn, um, let, let's call, uh, let's French, for example, French. Yeah, if I find the best uh, French tutor who can uh, teach the language, uh, you know, uh, I once I spoke with one uh, English teacher and, and he replied uh, that uh, m- many students ask how long does it take to learn the language. And uh, the same, uh, he always replies the same. Uh, I don't know. It, it's up to you. <laughs> so <laughs> if you spend like 10 hours a day, you can uh, learn faster. If you spend like uh, an hour a day or 30 minutes, I'm not sure you, it's possible for you even to learn this language. So, yeah, <laughs> it's the yeah, same. Well, and I, 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 I do think I, I think there's a, a lesson to be learned around data there as well Is I, I, uh, I took three years of French in high school. And then I took four mm-hmm. semesters of French at college. I still can't speak a word of French. Like learning French just isn't for me. Um, and so I do think if someone says, and you know, I don't understand data, it's not my core competency, I don't like a- analysis, then the answer may be you need to find someone that can do those things. Um, yeah. Right. Because I, you know, I don't think no matter how hard I worked, could I ever learn French. But there is no easy button. There's no, like, you're going to have to pay that person. Like, there, there's no shortcut where you don't have, you know, someone doesn't have to do the work. Like, you're, someone's going to have to to ultimately do the work. Yeah, yeah, golden button. I, I agree, you know. Uh, and I found that uh, people, uh, you know, it's much simpler to complain than uh, do hard work, you know. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you can yeah. complain yes, about... Is. Yeah, you know, simply just complain, find some other losers, uh, they can listen to you, you know, <laughs> why uh, this uh, life is hard, but uh, if you want to go ahead, and for example, I usually get much higher results with someone who understands SEO, if they understand, yeah, we, we can go ahead much faster, much better, because uh, it's uh, it doesn't mean that they need to be experts, uh, 
if they uh, they are experts they don't need SEO specialists but they need to understand so we can uh, cooperate like a cohesive team can you tell about your company what kind of unique selling proposition you have compared to uh, a bunch of competitors that we have today yeah, yeah, if we have one problem, it's we're, we're too unique in some ways. So the, the best way to think about our, our product is just a special purpose database. So we are a database that's focused on companies collaborating around data as opposed to a database that's owned and operated by a single company. Uh, and so companies can write data into that database the same as they could with, with any database. Companies can query the database just like they could with, with any database. But in the middle, we have really fine-grained permissions around the rules of, you know, who can read what data, and and when they read data, what are they agreeing to? Are they agreeing to pay for the data? Are they agreeing to how they will use the data? And we also have uh, some AI that sits in the middle that normalizes all of the data across all of the companies in, in the database. And so if we have five different companies that are uploading weather data, some of those are going to be uploaded in Celsius and some of them will be in Fahrenheit. And some of them will overlap with each other. And, and when, when someone uses our product and, and, they, and they query that database, we normalize everything as if it came from one, one big database as opposed to coming from five or 10 or 100 different databases. And so, you know, in many ways, the way we talk about it is almost the, the democratization of data. Instead of thinking of data as having a single owner, or instead of thinking of data as existing as partnerships between two companies, you can now think of data as being this collective asset across dozens or hundreds of companies that, that you know, allow people to, you know, much more easily get their hands on the data so they can start making their decisions and strategic executions based on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, awesome. Uh, you mentioned a few times about AI. Can you yeah. tell how is it accurate AI today? Because, you know, uh, the reason why I'm asking about AI, uh, I'm using AI tools uh, to create content. But, uh, you know, I can't rely 100% to AI. I need to edit, to check out manually, to, re to read one more time. Because uh, if you don't do this, uh, it's possible that you get garbage. But sure. if you uh, edit, if you spend time uh, to uh, to do this manual job, you can save your time. For example, if I do uh, from scratch manually, uh, it takes a lot more time than uh, using AI. Sometimes, uh, for example, if I create content with AI, I can rewrite from scratch everything. I don't use any words from AI, but I can get ideas. I don't need to, to uh, yeah. search for these ideas. So uh, uh, let us know about AI, how, how AI tools can help you to collect the right data. Yeah, uh, you know, I think it depends on the application of AI. I've actually been using a lot of the content generation, so Dolly and GPT-3 and, and things like that. And, you know, when you actually look at the images that, that Dali generates, you know, on the surface, they look very good. And then if you take a closer look, they, you know, they look, you know, incredibly <laughs> fucked up, right? Like, I mean, there's just all these artifacts that are that are very strange and it's it's whatever. And so, but, but arguably that is a very complicated application of AI, like writing a sentence and having a, a computer generate, you know, an image based on it. The way we use AI is is to classify data. So data as it flows into our system can literally be anything. 
It could be a time of day. It could be a air, uh, you know, temperature. It could be an email address. It could be, you know, the size of someone's shoes. It literally, you know, it comes in an infinite number of forms. And one of the challenges we have is we don't want our customers to have to understand all million different versions of data that are flowing into the platform. It's just too hard for them to understand. And so what our AI models do is we first train them. So we, we first manually go in and label all of the data that's coming in. We say, this is a timestamp and this is a shoe size and this is a postal address. Um, and we do that across you know, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of, of records of data. We then train the AI to say, okay, you know, based on looking at these things, you know, when you see new data come in, can you now tell me is this shoe size or is this a timestamp or, or, or something else? And I think, you know, for us, it is very, very accurate. And we have one, one way that we validate that. So it's very, very accurate because classification problems, you know, what is this? are much easier than draw me a picture problems. Um, two, we are able to feed the AI, you know, literally billions of records to train with. Um, you know, we are we are, we have no shortage of data that can do that training, and that that leads to more accurate AI. And the third is, you know, our AI models actually actually emit a probability that the classification is correct. So un unlike you know, Dali that's generating images, it just generates an image. It doesn't then generate an image and then give itself a, you know, a grade that says, hey, here's an image. I think it's, just, you know, a C minus. I don't think it's very good. It just gives you the image. Our models actually say, I think this is a timestamp and I'm 99.998% sure. And oftentimes when we go look by hand to see if it's correct, it is almost always correct. Sometimes it says, I think this is a shoe size and I'm only 20% sure. What we can do is say, okay, the model is sort of self-corrected in here in, insofar that we've confused it. And so we're going to ignore the results of this and then hopefully go train it with more data so the prediction can get better. But, but we really gate our trust in the output of the AI by the probability that our model is actually generating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Uh, can you tell about the balance uh, between uh, AI data and uh, manual checking? For example, you know, Google. Google uh, probably has a lot of data uh, about everyone, so all our data. Uh, but I still see when Google uh, asks people, you know, uh, their representatives ask questions about their products. Uh, they have a team that can analyze uh, people's opinions. So, yeah, I think Google has some balance between AI machine uh, and uh, humanity. Uh, from your experience, how to find this balance and uh, consider humans, uh, what they think and uh, some AI data? Yeah, I, I think the humans are the problem in this equation, not not the AI. I've gotten into this argument with people before. You know, I say, hey, you know, do you drink uh, Coca-Cola or do you drink Pepsi? And I say, well, okay, well, why do you why do you drink? You know, they'll say they drink Coca-Cola. And I say, oh, great, why, why do you drink Coca-Cola? And then they go on and they say, you know, I like the taste of Coca-Cola better or my local store sells Coca-Cola. Like they'll have all sorts of reasons they've come up with in their head for why they drink Coca-Cola. 
And it's not that those reasons are wrong. It's not that they're lying. But there are also any number of subconscious reasons that people drink Coca-Cola. They like the polar bear ads that come on during Christmas. Their grandfather drank Coca-Cola when they were growing up. They you know, have an affinity for the color red versus the color blue. Most of these things are actually subconscious. And so if you ask someone why they drink Coca-Cola, they will tell they will give you an answer, but it does not give you the totality of the reason that they do that. Yeah. And so when you ask someone's opinion, and, and actually I think political polls have proven this pretty accurately, sometimes the people you're asking their opinion want to tell you what you what they think you want to hear. Sometimes they don't know what their opinion is, but they feel like they, you know, are will sound stupid if they don't have an opinion. Or, you know, or they're just, you know, or any number of other reasons that their opinion is their opinion is opinion in many ways. And so I actually think sometimes the idea of making a prediction about what a human will do and maybe more importantly, why a human will do something is is where the folly lies, Um because humans themselves are not rational actors, nor could they tell you why they do things in, in many cases. And so comparing an AI prediction to an actual behavior isn't the AI's fault. It's the fact that humans you know, don't act in a, in a rational way. Yeah, yeah. You, you remind me of my son. You know, when uh, uh, he asked me to buy not new stickers, he asked me to buy Nike. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, for me, uh, it doesn't matter what kind of brand of shoes I can buy because I, uh, I, I respect any uh, high quality brands, Puma, Adidas, uh, Nike, Reebok, it doesn't matter. Uh, if I like sneakers, I can buy them, you know, so I see good quality, why not? But he always uh, tells me I need Nike. I don't know why. So, and it's uh, the same example with Coca-Cola and Pepsi. And uh, once I check out a study, why people are buying Coca-Cola more than Pepsi. And uh, they um, took, uh, I don't remember how many people, they took some uh, uh, people and uh, uh, they gave them uh, Pepsi and Coca-Cola blindly. They didn't know what they drink. And many of them uh, replied that Pepsi, uh, they like more Pepsi, not Coca-Cola. But people still buy more Coca-Cola. It's branding because Coca-Cola spends, uh, if I remember correctly, like 70% of revenue to advertisement. So to promote uh, this brand, to uh, to create this brand awareness. Uh, I'm, I'm not yeah, good. Well, uh, yeah. No, 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 it's true. And, and I've had people tell me Coca-Cola shouldn't advertise at all. I don't buy Coca-Cola because I saw the ad on TV. They don't need to sponsor you know, a, a football club, because that's not why I buy Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola actually does studies where, you know, in the entire city of Pittsburgh, they will stop advertising Coca-Cola for a month. And the next month, they will sell 15, 20, 30 percent less Coca-Cola. And so I've never met anyone that says I've, I bought this Coca-Cola product because I saw an advertisement that said I should buy the Coca-Cola product. But they can actually prove causally almost that you know if they're not showing you that advertising you will actually be less likely to buy that coca-cola product yeah yeah uh, by the way i agree with cristiano ronaldo and uh, pre prefer water i don't know have you yeah. seen this uh, not? <laughs> yeah <laughs> when he took away coca-cola and uh, yeah <laughs> got water <laughs> okay let's talk about 
common mistakes. Can you tell what kind of common mistakes companies still do by collecting data and your uh, tips, uh, uh, which way is better to do? Yeah, I mean, I think they they only collect the data they think they need versus collecting all of the data. I think that's a mm -hmm. mistake. I think they keep the data in different systems that makes it hard to move to, to, to join and, and find correlation across data sets. That's certainly a big mistake. Uh, I've heard companies tell me in the last couple of years, we have too much data. We, you know, our, our problem isn't, we're not getting value out of the data, is we have too much data. That on its face, you know, it's like saying I've got too much oil. You know, my, my, uh, my gas tank can only hold 15 gallons and I've got a whole barrel. What do I do? And it's like, you, you're kind of, you're kind of missing the point, uh, at that side. Um, I think oftentimes data strategy is executed at lower levels within the organization. I think, and we're starting to see this. I think a lot of companies are now hiring chief data officers. And so, you know, a good a good analogy I heard from someone the other day is um, chief human resource officers, right? There are people in every part of a company. Uh, every team, by definition, has people on it. Um, and so companies have, have hired chief uh, human resource officers or chief talent officers so they can build processes and efficiencies and... And, and, and all of the things that you want to do to make your organization really effective at hiring and training and retaining people, arguably one of your most valuable assets. Mm -hmm. Data is now a thing that lives within every team in the organization. You know, there's, there's no team, you know, in, in any large organization that is not data driven you know, almost on a day-to-day -day basis. But oftentimes there's no one at the top of the organization that says, how are we going to take all of these data assets we have across all of these teams and create a, a, a cogent and a, and a coherent strategy around it? And so I think having data be a bottoms-up strategy does not usually work very well. I think it needs to be a top-down strategy with a lot of the execution happening at, at some of those lower levels, but really thinking about it organizationally wide instead of thinking about it on a person-by-person -person or a team-by-team -team basis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I have the question about marketing. Uh, you know, um, uh, I found online, uh, I don't remember exactly the number, uh, but it's more than 50% of sales people uh, distrust marketers. Uh, CEOs of companies uh, distrust marketers as well. But, you know, uh, marketers usually get data from CEO, from uh, sales department, from uh, anyone who uh, communicate with customers. And we have uh, this issue, you know, uh, sometimes a policy, uh, com co uh, company can have some policy that disallow to share data and marketers need this data. Uh, can you tell how to unite uh, different departments, uh, in my example, like uh, sales uh, people and marketers, to work in one cohesive goal? Because, you know, without right, the right data, it's hard to create marketing campaigns. Or, for example, uh, possible your company can help with that. For example, uh, if you collect data uh, and uh, can uh, share data to the right people uh, in order to increase sales. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, I'll go back to my previous answer. I think first and foremost, you need a person at the highest level of the company who is in charge mm -hmm. of data strategy. There, there should be a chief data officer whose primary responsibility is just what you said. 
how do we get mm-hmm. the entire organization to to think about the data as an asset for the entire organization and not the individual team where the, the data might have been generated or, or, or come from. So first and foremost, you know, have someone that that's their job, just like you have a, you know, a, 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 you know, chief revenue officer whose job is to figure out sales across the organization and chief human resources and chief operating like, you know, it's a, it's a C-level job. And then I think the second bit is the technology to enable that, right? Because there's there's policy and fiefdom and mistrust uh, amongst different teams. Even if you were able to eliminate all of that, you still have to have a technology that allows you to share data and do it with some level of governance. You know, there, there may be reasons for that the finance team can't share certain data because of SEC regulations, or, you know, there might be something that coming from the legal team where because of attorney client privilege, they can't share that data with, with some other team. And so I think having a technology solution in place that makes data really easy to share, but contains controls to make sure that you're not oversharing or no one's accessing data that they shouldn't have access to is, is important. I think narrative has a flavor of that type of software. I think there's other software that, that, that does it as well. But I think I would argue that if you have a chief data officer and you have the right intentions as an organization, the mistake that you don't want to make is go try to build your own platform to do that because it will take you years, if not decades, and it will not turn out well. I would frankly not rely on the big management consulting companies. Don't let Bain tell you they're going to come build that platform for you because they're going to charge you $10 million and you're not going to get much for for your for your work out of the other side. But you know, really go find a trusted partner that has built, built technology to tackle this specific problem and can get it implemented and up and running in a matter of months, not not years or decades. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I have the question about... Uh, you know, sometimes data can limit uh, our creativity, possibilities. Uh, let me explain why. Uh, for example, I remember when, uh, uh, yeah, I read online, uh, uh, Jeff Bezos uh, had a meeting with his team, and uh, his team uh, provided a lot of data. And they told, we need to uh, research more, we need to spend more time to analyze about customers, to create this awesome product. And he denied no guys, nobody knows what will actually work. We need to test it. We need to implement. We need to analyze. So uh, I see the same issue when marketers overlearn. For example, uh, they can spend a lot of time by reading books, uh, blog posts, guides, but uh, in the end, nobody knows what works. And many great marketers are practitioners. They test, they analyze, they uh, search. For, uh, sometimes uh, we need to be themselves. Uh, for example, uh, uh, I can, uh, you know, post content about me, you know, without any data and it works well. So if I share stories, uh, can you tell uh, from your experience how to uh, not to overlook, for example, uh, OK, we need data, we need to analyze customers. But in the end, nobody knows what actually uh, connects with them. And we need to test it. What do you think about that? I agree. I, I, I think data should be treated as more of a science than a than a you know a prediction or, or, or more, more of a science than a than an oracle so mm-hmm. in science you look at the data that you have and based on that data you come up with a hypothesis and then you go test that hypothesis hey I, you know i think if 
you know, we were to, you know, only put five products on our page instead of 10 products on our page, uh, you know, we would sell more products because of the, uh, the paradox of choice. Um, you know, and, and we have some data from, you know, previous, you know, companies or tests or uh, academic paper that says this. And so this is what we're going to do. What you should say is we have some data and it says, you know, we think we would sell more products if we put less products on the page. Let's go test putting less products on the page and then we'll come back three weeks later and we will have collected more data and we'll see if the data that we collected matches our, our, our original hypothesis that, you know, I think the frustrating thing about data for a lot of people and, and, and I've worked in various, you know, analyst capacities in, in my career and what I have found is you start by asking a question. Why did we sell less, uh, you know, Coca-Cola last month than we did the previous month? And you you run some analysis and and you see that you know you actually sold less Coca-Cola in restaurants, but you sold the same amount of Coca-Cola in 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 grocery stores. And so you say, well, let me dig deeper on on restaurants. So it was and you run an analysis on restaurants, and then you ask another question, and then you run another analysis, and you ask another question, like. Data rarely leads you to the answer. It may get you closer to the answer. It may get you closer to a hypothesis about what the answer might be, but it, it, it's pretty rare that data will give you a black and white, you know, X be happened because of Y and, you know, Z happened because of, of, of X. Um, more times than not, you're trying to get closer to the answer, but that answer never comes. And so you should, that's the reason you constantly need to be testing and reevaluating and questioning your own hypothesis uh, because the, 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 the data, you know, like I said, the, the world's a messy place. Humans aren't rational actors. There is no one answer. What you're looking for is, you know, the best strategy to fulfill the, you know, the behaviors and the data that you're seeing. And then you also have to realize that, Behaviors change over time, so even if something was yeah. true today, it might not be true tomorrow. And so, it, there, there's, it's always a moving target, and it always should be treated as a moving target. Yeah, yeah, agree. Yeah, uh, I remember when someone told me how uh, how much cost to create website. Uh, I, I don't know. It depends on your yeah. technical task, uh, your goals, and uh, he told me, okay. It's one time payment. No way. <laughs> it's just the first time payment because you will update website. You need to update content. So yeah, it's like, you know, if you buy iPhone, so uh, for some time you want to buy a better version. You know, uh, I usually do it uh, one time in two years because uh, for, yeah, I, I don't have time, you know, to replace my iPhone uh, each year. But yeah. yeah. It's like this. Okay, we, we just we, we we actually we we just started moving to a usage based pricing model with the platform. So we used to say, "Hey, pay us five thousand dollars, and you can use the platform as much as you want." Mm -hmm. um, and what we found is some people use the platform so much that it cost us ten thousand dollars, even though they were only paying us five thousand dollars. And some customers used it so little they you know they you know cost us nothing, and they were paying us five thousand dollars, and it and it didn't really make sense at all. And so we've moved to this usage based pricing, which is. You know, just like your, your website example is there's not a one-time fee like you will yeah. pay for you know the the usage you know the what the value you're generating on the platform what it's doing for you because i can't predict you know i just in the same way i can't predict you know how much it would cost to build a website i can't predict how much it would cost to service your data strategy because your data strategy is going to change and uh, you know there, there's so many variables that go into it 
Um, and, and we're seeing a lot of software platforms that do that. And I actually think it works well for both customers and the companies because customers only have to pay when they use the product and the company gets paid when they, you know, they drive a valuable enough product that someone wants to use it. And, and I think it takes out a lot of that, you know, how much does something cost? Like it, it's not a question that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. And Nick, I have the final question. Uh, Let's imagine you started from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills. What will you do to learn more about collecting data today? Oh man, I have no idea. Uh, I mean, the internet is a is a is a is a trove of knowledge. Um, honestly, I, maybe not if I literally knew nothing, but if I had the even the the, the, the most base understanding, I have found. And this is gonna make me sound like a nerd, but I have found that reading academic papers, really reading them, like sit, sitting down and understanding them, is almost as valuable as anything else, right? It's not as exciting as reading a Malcolm Gladwell book about how if you do work for ten thousand hours, you're gonna be good at something. But I, and I, and I, and I didn't fully appreciate this when I was younger, but. You know, PhDs and, and people in academia write these papers. Many of them are, are publicly available that do deep dives into very specific categories. And most importantly, they do deep dives into those categories in a way where they're not trying to sell you something. Right. I could tell you to come to the to, to my company's website and read a white paper. I could also tell you if you do that, we're trying to sell you something. I think we're trying to sell you something good. I want you to buy that thing. I'm not going to tell you not to do that. But we're trying to sell you something. And so I think if you can find, you know, any neutral sources on a topic, and I find academia is very good at that, it is a very good way to get the foundational understanding of something in a way that you're not just getting someone's opinion that they want you to have because they want to sell you a product. That's nice. Awesome. Yeah. And guys, yeah, I agree. I think it's better go to Google the first place. No type your keyword, you know, find information uh, because Google uh, makes this hard job instead of you. Many years ago, we didn't have this choice when you can type and find anything. You can use YouTube and the most important element, it's not about to learn what you form. It's more about implement all these ideas, you know, to check it out, to analyze how it works because uh, people have short memory, they can forget for a few days about new knowledge. I can forget for a few hours, you know, about anything. So yeah, but when you implement, execute, you can find something that works for you. Nick, it's a big pleasure to get in my show, to learn from you, you share a lot of valuable insights. Tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. Yeah, so I'm on Twitter. It isn't usually about data, but sometimes it is. Uh, Nick underscore Jordan, N-I-C-K underscore J-O-R-D-A-N. My company is Narrative.io, Narrative.io, uh, and then to your earlier point, type my name into Google. There's a there's a couple of fictional characters with my name, but I should come up pretty close to the to the top of the search results. Yeah, nice guys. You can find uh, the link to Twitter account in the description below. By the way, Elon Musk uh, owned uh, Twitter, so uh, Elon I... Musk has all data about. No, I know. About I... Anyway. 
I'm I'm literally thinking of I've been on Twitter for over 13 years, and I'm wondering if it's my my time on Twitter is coming to an end. But it, <laughs> if if it does, I'll just link to my TikTok, and we'll be we'll be good to go. I'll be doing dance I'll be doing dance videos in no time. <laughs> yeah, love it. Yeah, but uh, Elon Musk promised uh, not to touch anyone, even to unblock. Donald Trump, many others. So yeah, we'll see what kind of future. Uh, that, 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 that's why I'm considering going to, going to TikTok. <laughs> Got it. Okay, guys, uh, listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. A big pleasure. Welcome back anytime back to share more valuable insights. I love it, guys. You need to follow Nick on Twitter. Uh, if you can see on Twitter, you can find his TikTok you know, and learn more about uh, dancing data. Why not? So if it works. Okay, guys, love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.